morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join us over in Appleton and Stevens Point this morning. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. <clears throat> this is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you here this morning. And yes, I have tickets for the Packers game today. <clears throat> Hence the casual dress today. <laughs> Which, by the way, you can... <laughs> you know y'all can come dress any way you want to church, right? We don't care. The only reason I dress up is I got to see myself on television. All right, I tried the casual thing, but I look like a homeless person on TV. <clears throat> so that's, that's why I dress up. But today, we're going casual. I want you to continue to keep Pastor Lathan in your prayers. He had open heart surgery this week. Woo! Anyway, it went well, and he is slowly recovering. <clears throat> and a man at his advanced age... Two years older than me. <laughs> we don't heal quite as quickly. You notice that? The older you get, get a sprain, something or other, and it's like, you know, four months later, this still hurts? <laughs> what is the deal? It takes a while. Anyway, uh, he's doing well, so continue to pray for him. Uh, we're excited about that. Um, uh, certainly, as our campus in Stevens Point knows, I don't know how much people are aware of what's going on at the various campuses. We're trying to get people more aware, but for the last several months, we have been searching for a new pastor for our uh, campus. Where, where is our pastor? Okay, okay, hold on a second. Uh, for a new pastor for our Stevens Point campus. Uh, and it's been pretty hard. Uh, it's not that there's not a lot of pastors out there, really talented people. It's that most people don't want to live in Wisconsin. <laughs> I'm not kidding. You know, apparently we are like the Siberia of America. And uh, it's like people say you're from Wisconsin. They look at you like you have the plague. Oh, you know, so, uh, so it's a challenge, actually, particularly if it's rural Wisconsin. Not even the people in Wisconsin don't want to live in rural Wisconsin. You know what I'm saying? So, so that's a tough one. So I told our campus, you know, a few months ago, they said, why is it taking so long to find a camp, campus pastor? I said, because nobody wants to live here. <laughs> the people that we talk to. It is what it is. I says, uh, best scenario is if God would direct us to someone from that area who has the giftings and talent and heart to minister to these people. And as God is known to do, he answered our prayers and brought us someone from central Wisconsin, Marshfield to be exact. Uh, and I want to Bob and his wife and all the rugrats that come up here. <clears throat> So the reason for making this announcement uh, here today is so that all the campus, remember, we're one church. 
<laughs> isn't, that, isn't that awesome? <clears throat> we're one church, and this is representative of all our church. It's not that Point is doing its own thing. We're all doing the same thing. So announcing it here today to let you all know uh, that uh, we have found someone. Now, he doesn't officially start until the 1st of November, but he'll be at some of the services uh, over the next couple of weeks, and uh, you all get a chance to meet him and get to know him. Uh, actually, our families go back a long ways. Uh, when I, I knew his dad when he was just, I don't know if you were even here yet, but uh, so uh, it's good to, to reconnect, and, uh, and we're excited about it. Uh, Bob is a fabulous man, big guy, unlike myself, <clears throat> and, uh, and his gorgeous wife, Tara, and look at all these monkeys. Wow! Wow. <laughs> Fabulous. Yes. And, and this is disgusting, that you can have all this and still look like that. That is fabulous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, he's giving birth to the next one, so we're excited about that. It's, it's a new miracle. So, uh... Anyway, so we want all of our, I know he's not in front of you, but just out of respect, let's all stand at all our campuses, especially in Stevens Point, and uh, stretch your prayers this direction as we anoint Bob, and we're just going to pray God's anointing on him, that God will use him in a powerful way to reach people there in central Wisconsin. Okay, let's pray together. Hey, it's okay. He can then. Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you for Bob. And we anoint him in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We ask you, O Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would fall powerfully on him, anoint him, use him in a great and wonderful way, uh, him and his entire family, reaching out to that community, even Stevens Point, as part of this one church. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for that, that uh, ministry there. Uh, there's, uh, even though it's rural Wisconsin, there's tens of thousands of people right there in that Stevens Point area that need to know about Jesus. We pray that you would anoint him as he leads the people there as they reach out to their community and walk in the love and the power of God in their lives. Thank you for their entire family. Put a shield around them. Thank you for all these wonderful children. Bless them all, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. This is one way to grow a church. <clears throat> That's all right. All right. There you go. Our, our children's ministry will have a big boost. Just, uh, just hiring the pastor. That's a good thing. So we're <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. Uh, changing channels. Uh, we have, uh, we've been very busy this year, writing and editing and this, that, and the other. We are releasing six books uh, over the next six months. Three of them are out. I'm sorry, five books. Three of them are out are, are right away. They just came out this week. Um, this one is a second edition one. This one uh, we printed uh, oh, a year and a half, two years ago. Uh, it was in a small little soft cover thing. And uh, we decided to add more copy to it and add colorful graphics and stuff so that men will read it. <laughs> it's not a slam on men. It is what it is. Men are visually driven. We all know that about women, you know, their vision are driven by women, but it's not just women. We're just, if you don't, you need to grab a man's attention, okay? You grab our attention, we're there, all right? For us to focus attention, it's, it's, it's just a big, we can, but we just don't like to. So anyway, and uh, you say, well, my husband doesn't notice anything. Oh, he notices, he just doesn't pay attention. So anyway, um, so anyway, these books, this was called The Battle Over the Rules. Now, this is really, really great. Uh, 
and it applies to both men and women, really focus more towards men because a lot of guys today, you have no idea how many men I talk to, who think that no one should tell them what to do. Woman, you can't tell me what to do, woman. Oh, man, oh, man, you can't tell me what to do. Really, you're married? Shut up. All right? You say, I do? She gets to tell you what to do. And that's what it is. Now, exactly how much that's debatable. And that's what this book is. It shows you how you get to this place because you're going to fight about it. And it's okay. I'm good with fighting. I'm Puerto Rican. We like to fight. All right? And... uh but there's way, good ways of fighting. There's nasty ways. You don't want to fight nasty, good ways. But to show you this idea that the idea that you can be in a relationship with anybody and have no rules is patently absurd. Now, believe it or not, what is often quoted is this idea of, well, what about unconditional love? Um, the idea of unconditional love is patently absurd. And it's not found in the Bible. No place in the Bible. If anybody can find me anywhere in the scriptures, in any translation, well, I should better be careful with one of these free-flowing, translate my throat in, but I don't think they even did. Nowhere can you find the phrase unconditional love. God loves you no matter what. I get that. Don't throw in the word unconditional. I know it sounds all ooey-gooey and spiritual today, but it's a bunch of nonsense because that gives us the idea that it doesn't matter what you do, and it does. Um, all of God's promises come with conditions, and I show you in the scriptures one after the other, after the other. I show you all these major promises in the Bible. In fact, every promise in the Bible has a condition in it. A little shocking for all this nonsense about unconditional that we have. There are always rules. Without rules, you have anarchy, okay? Even in the beginning when everything was perfect, it wasn't complete until God put in one rule. Do not eat of that tree. Why? Because without conditions, true love is not possible. Uh, so this idea that you can do whatever you want, no one can tell you what to do, is not, that's anarchy. That's absurd, okay? Uh, without conditions, it's a disaster. The question is, what are the conditions? Well, you know, and I go through it in the book. The main ones you work through on your wedding day. Better for worse, richer for poor, sickness and health, forsaking all this. Okay, you can't date anybody else anymore. I know it's an inconvenience. Uh, those are the rules. Those are the basic rules. But then you got other rules that you work out, and I show you how to do it, okay? Battle over the rules. The next book, a book geared toward women entitled Treat Him Like a Dog. <laughs> now, <laughs> somebody barking over there. Uh, the idea behind this one, it, it sounds like an insult, but it's not. I mean, how do you treat a dog? You hug the dog. You talk to them, how are you doing? How was your day today? How are you as a pretty last dog? How are you? you know, you pet the dog, right? You don't remind the dog, you pooped all over the carpet this morning. I hate you. You know, you don't do that. You don't remind the dog of its failures and disappointments and everything else. Man, treat your husband like a dog. And it'd be better than what some of y'all do. And now, listen to these chapters. They all sound like insults, but they're not insults. Where's the chapters? Uh, treat him like an employee. Treat him like a cab driver. Treat him like a child. Treat him like a stranger. These are good things. And I show it's very funny. But you know, a lot of, you're nicer to strangers than you are to your own pe people closest to you. And some of you are just you're mean as a rattlesnake as soon as we get you home. But when you go to a stranger, how you doing? Great. Y'all, you know, some of you had these trans transformations just when the phone rings. 
you're yelling and screaming, yeah, 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 yeah. The phone rings, hi, how you doing? You know, <clears throat> why? You're being polite. You need to be polite to each other. Even a chapter on treat them like a gynecologist. And you have to buy that to check that one out. All right. <clears throat> uh, and then uh, a lot of women say, well, it does a book about women. What about men? Here's one. Don't be an ass. Now, <laughs> now this, this goes to men and women, but you know how guys can be. Now, before you have a fit over the use of the word, we speak English. In the English language, for centuries, the number one word to describe a mule is the word ass. In the Bible, it's like 76, 86 times. It is over and over again. And the word donkey and mule existed at that time. Why didn't they use that? Because that wasn't the official word. The official word was ass. And it still is, by the way, for a stubborn, frustrating animal. The second definition is for a person who acts like the mule. A stubborn, frustrating individual. Uh, and that's what I'm talking about, okay? The third is a nasty word for one's behind. That's not what I'm talking about, all right? So, and uh, it's, all, it's all got these pretty little donkeys on the front, you know? Chapter one, don't be a jackass, okay? Talks about a stubborn person who doesn't listen to anybody. You can't tell me what to do, like the battle over the rules. Here's one, don't be a lazy ass, all right? <laughs> And, uh, and, and we talk about these people who just sit around. They don't want to take any no follow through. They don't want to commit to anything. Ah, don't be a hard ass. All right. These are people, tough, arrogant. Now, if this is freaking you out, you're probably at the wrong church. All right. <clears throat> don't, don't be a dumb ass. All right. Just, you know, and uh, and there's, there's nine all together. All right. You, you want to know all the different versions of that, you can, you can get the book. Now, the book is really a mirror. It's a fun mirror if you have a sense of humor. If you don't have a sense of humor, don't buy the book, okay? But if you're not, I don't know, crazy, you can buy the book. And, and in the book, and it's fun, I encourage couples, read it, you know, at night, take one chapter and read it as you're laying in bed and uh, see how much of that reminds you of you. And uh, it's like a mirror. I, I'm seen here in at least three chapters. Papa. <laughs> Possibly four. <laughs> I was reading it in the end going, ouch. Ooh, ooh, ouch. Okay, it's a mirror. Mirrors are good things. You don't get mad at the mirror. Without a mirror, you can walk around with a booger all day on your nose. You'd never know it. <laughs> right? You'd be all kinds of weird, crazy cheese in your, you know, teeth. In, cheese in your teeth. Teeth in your cheese. That's a bad sign. Take a bite of cheese, your teeth stay there. Uh, uh, these are we have mirrors when you see that. Oh, thank you for showing me. So you can fix it, right? The reason y'all so look so pretty today, thank God for mirrors. Without the mirrors, man, it's a free-for-all. All right? So mirrors are good things. You don't get mad at the mirror. You look into the mirror. Oh, oh, oh yeah, I, I'm kind of that way sometimes. I should adjust. I need to be nicer. All right? So, well, Pastor, why didn't you just write be nicer? Because everybody else has written that. This, you know, everybody understands this. I don't care who you are. You know, I suppose I could be very spiritual and say, you know, the Bible says in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, that a man should love his wife like Christ loved the church. And that's good. That's fine. I'm not mocking it. I'm, a lot of books do that. But most people just understand, don't be an ass. <laughs> you, have no, you have no idea how many times in counseling sessions I will look at one of them and go, 
don't be an ass. And they immediately go, okay. You know, because they get it. Everybody understands it. You know what I'm saying? Now, you young people don't go around saying this word. Your mom's going to slap you, all right? But we're talking about donkeys here. Anyway, you can check them out. At your campuses here, it's in the bookstore. Oh, you're trying to sell books. No, I'm not trying to sell, but the point is we're trying to get information to you. I promise you, none of you are going to buy enough books to make a massive difference in my life, in just our church, unless some of you buy like 500 copies, in which case I'll, I'll give you a discount. <laughs> All right, but, uh, but it, this is just about getting information to people, right? People have good lives on purpose. Say on purpose. I try to teach intentionality. If there's one curse over the American psyche today is everybody thinks it's all magic. You're lucky. We just happen to turn out that way. God likes you better than me. All this other. No. If you have a stinky life, it's because you're doing stinky things. It's just that simple. The point of books like this and all the information that we do and everything in our ministry is to show you this is how you live life. You do it intentionally. You do it on purpose. It's not by accident. All right? That's why we encourage you. Come to church. Come to the Bible study on Wednesday nights. I have said this many times. I will continue to say this. And and the reason I say this is because you can't help but notice it. The people who have the most difficult lives in our churches, somebody right now attending this morning, Stevens Point, Appleton here, your life is just a disaster. You're having all kinds of problems. Money says you don't come to church every Sunday, or if you do, uh, you certainly don't come on Wednesday nights as well. It's, I mean, it's, it's so predictive. Then the people who have the most successful lives are the people who are in church every Sunday and come onto the Bible Sunday on Wednesday nights. It's, it's just, you can't separate it. It's just, if you want a successful life, you got to do it on purpose. Get God's word inside you. You want to have a, I promise you, the people from one year from today who will be the healthiest, happiest, most successful people in our congregations are the ones who come Sunday morning and Wednesday night for the Bible studies. I guarantee you. You can control what your life is going to look like a year from today by the way you start doing stuff today. Life happens on purpose. It's not an accident. It's not just cosmic, you know, destiny. On purpose. You got to do life on purpose. The reason for all these books and everything that we do is to show people how to do life on purpose. Okay. Now, uh, we are doing a study on the Apostles' Creed. We're going through each little phrase in the Apostles' Creed, talking about it, teaching about it talking about what it is that we really believe as Christians, not just what we think. A lot of people think about all kinds of stuff, but this is what we really believe. This, quite frankly, is what virtually every Christian should believe. Everything that we say every Sunday on the Apostles' Creed, we recite it every Sunday to just drill into ourselves and into our children and into our grandchildren. This is what Christianity is about. These are the fundamental truths. All the other stuff, everybody can have opinions and stuff like that. We don't get into that. I give you my opinion, but I tell you what I think. I'm pretty honest about that. This is what I think. But we don't get dogmatic about it. This stuff, we're dogmatic about. These things are the non-negotiable. All right? So we are now up to the phrase where it says, he will come again to judge the living and the dead. It's shocking how many churches, mainline denominational churches, never talk about Jesus coming back. In fact, I went to one of those big churches for all my life as a kid. I never heard. The, I never heard. Total shock to me. I never knew. I mean, we recited the Apostles' Creed, but nobody ever pointed out. He's actually coming back. He's coming back again. Uh, in Acts, the first chapter, verse 11, uh, we read this uh, the, uh, the other week. Uh, Jesus is, is taken up into heaven before the apostles' eyes, and they're like, wow, all the disciples, not just the apostles, all these people, just, wow, 
And then all of a sudden, two angels appear next to him, and they say this, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? Really? Because we don't see this every day. (laughs) This is kind of impressive. But he says, look, the same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Jesus talked about this over and over and over again. And in the Old Testament, we see two different pictures of the Messiah. The reason the Jewish people, by and large, did not take Jesus as Messiah is because they were looking for the first version. The first version shows this conquering Messiah that comes, and they wanted a conquering Messiah. They have been under, for centuries, the rule of other nations, and really for thousands of years, uh, up until 1948, the Israelites, the Jews, have been under the rule of somebody else. Nonstop. I mean, that's a long time not having self-determination. It wasn't until 1948 that they finally became a nation in a day, in fulfillment of a prophecy that that would happen. A lot of us believe that this, that was the first major sign of all of this end stuff coming, okay? And I would concur with that. Uh, Jesus talked about it a lot. Uh, in Matthew, the 25th chapter, Jesus said this, when the Son of Man, that's what he called himself, Son of Man, he didn't refer to himself as the Son of God because he was already God. The amazing thing to him is I'm Son of Man. <laughs> to us, we're all Son of Men, no big deal. We looked at him as Son of God. <laughs> okay, that's, that was the difference. And he's both, okay? God in the flesh. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, talking about the second time that he comes. Oh, by the way, the, the other version is coming as the suffering Messiah. That's what he did the first time as he died for our sins. It's very clear. We see both of those in the promises of the Messiah, but they just locked onto that first one because they wanted to see that. That is coming. That is yet to come. We are not done. There's two deals on this. First time he comes very humbly born in a barn, lives among us, dies on the cross, rises again from the dead. The gospel is being preached everywhere, and version two, part two, is coming. The sequel is on its way. And he talks about it. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glory's throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He's talking about he's going to come. This is going to finally bring everything to an end, and um, there will be the final judgment. And then the Bible says that this earth will go up in flames. It's all, say, you know, Pastor, do you believe in global warming? Oh, yeah. (laughs) And you can recycle yourself into the grave and you ain't going to stop this one coming because when it goes, it's going up in a big ball of flame and there's going to be a new heavens and earth, the Bible says. Anyway, all that's to come. Say, when's it going to come? That's what everyone wants. When's this all going to happen? Well, we just mentioned that first major step, 1948, all of a sudden Israel has their own destiny now. And, uh, and Jesus started talking about how you're going to tell. He said, no one would know the exact time, but you can kind of get a sense when things are coming. And warning us about this terrible stuff that's about to come, he says this, he says, for then there will be great distress, unequaled. Everybody say unequaled. Unequal. That means never happened before. Distress like we've never have seen before. Now, I just want to talk about this a little bit because there's a lot of people all distressed over this crazy election cycle that we're in. We're seeing a version of the crazy we haven't seen before, but it's not worse than we've ever seen before. Okay? I know everybody, oh, the world's it. No, 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 the world's going to end, but I don't think this is it. All right? We forget, you know, we've got short memories. 150 years ago, Americans lined up by the tens of thousands, pointed guns at each other, and blew each other's brains out in the Civil War. 
bloodshed like you cannot believe. Oh, we're always getting along in Congress. They used to have big fistfights in Congress. They'd go out and on the lawn and have, you know, duels and try and kill each other. All right, you think it's bad, and it isn't nothing. This is nothing. Just relax. Check your medication, for heaven's sakes. Everybody's all subset. Listen, God knows what's going to happen. We don't know. He knows. I don't think. On November 9th, he's going to read the headlines and go, oh, myself. I didn't think that person would win. He knows exactly who's going to win. And you know what? He's not stressed about it at all. You say, well, this is an ugly. Oh, it is. It is ugly. We've got a pig and a criminal. That's what we got. Personally, I'm pro-pig. Okay. Now, the reason I'm pro-pig is because you can always tell what a pig is going to do, because they're pigs. You don't get shocked when a pig acts like a pig. If I get a pig, and then you come later and say, look, I got a video of that pig in the mud, I'm not going to be shocked. All right? Pigs are fairly predictable. Criminals are not. You don't know what they're going to do. It's all part of being a criminal. Before you get mad thinking I'm talking about your person, I did not say who was the pig or who was the criminal. (laughs) My advice, vote for the pig. All right. But in any case, just relax. Everybody say relax. All right. God is in charge. (laughs) He says there's going to be distress unequaled from the beginning of the world until now. The good news is we're not there. The bad news is going to get a lot worse than what we're seeing. When you hit the point where it's worse than it's ever been since the world has started, and you say, well, things are getting worse, man. It's it's just the run-up. This is just the run-up. Nobody can stop this. It's going to happen. At some point, this whole world system is going to go crazy. That's why they're going to turn to one leader to save them all, the Antichrist. All this stuff's going to happen because it's going to get so bad. We're not there yet. All right? Um, Jesus says this. He says, immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. So what does that mean, Pastor? I don't know. (laughs) But it's going to be impressive. I think it's going to be one of those things that when we start seeing it, we're going to recognize it. That's what he was talking about. That's what he was talking about. I mean, it sounds, it doesn't sound like this is going to sneak by (laughs) unnoticed. Okay, something major is going to be happening. I don't know what. We're not there yet. He says, when it does, that's when the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. Then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds. Those are his chosen ones. From one end of the heavens to the other. John, when he wrote the book of Revelation, had a vision into the future of seeing the end. You want a disturbing read? Read that one. This will give you the heebie-jeebies. He saw all kinds. Again, it's going to get really, really bad. Personally, I hope I'm not around you know, but it's going to get nasty. And he writes this, 
at the very end, as all the stuff is finally coming to an end, he says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True, talking about Jesus. With justice, he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. See, now here's the picture of the conquering Messiah. Those prophecies that we saw in the Old Testament that the Jews were focused on, this is when it finally happens, and it's going to happen. He has a name written on him that no one uh, knows but himself. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword which, uh, with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. And uh, you see these quotes? Uh, you see, he's quoting from the Old Testament. I mean, this is, this, these are these prophecies that were spoken of then start happening now. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has written this name, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You say, you're kind of scaring me, Pastor. Good. I think that's the point. Sometimes we need to be a little scared. This is, you know, you want to live the kind of life that can survive crazy. Don't live casually. If you're upset about the way things are like in this world, don't get mad about it. Don't get afraid of it. Live a good life. Do the biblical thing. Do the right things. Go to church. what you all think. When's it going to happen, Pastor? When's it going to happen? Jesus said this, but that day or hour, no one knows. Whenever, every so often, somebody comes out with a book or some prediction about when Jesus is going to come. Now, I like to refer to these people as morons, but they might be brilliant. You know, because they figured out how to sell lots of books. I got, you know, I just got a few. They might be really smart. Maybe that's their deal. I don't know. Everybody who believes them, they're morons. Don't you be in that group, all right? It comes every few decades, it comes. This last one was, was a f- how many years ago was that? Some guy coming around, and he had it all figured out, the day Jesus is going to come. And the number of Christians that got freaked out by it made me mad. How clu- the problem is because people don't read the Bible. They don't know the truth. If you don't know the truth, you will get sucked into anything. That's why you should go to church. Come to the Bible study. Do life on purpose. People emailing me from this church. Oh, pastor, you think that world's going to end on that day when that guy says? No, he doesn't know. Because Jesus says nobody will know. Not even the angels, he says in heaven, nor the son, but the father only. As it was in the days of Noah, Jesus said, so it will be at, at the coming of the son of man. For in the days of, before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, living life up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That's how it's going to be the second time around. Everybody's going to be living their life, just having a great time. Your friends and neighbors and extended family are all going to be doing their normal thing and, you know, starting businesses and getting married and having babies and just living life. And boom, this day's going to happen to them. They've got no idea what was coming. We are supposed to be ready. That's the point of this. It's not about to argue what it says. It's that we're supposed to be ready. Live the kind of life so that you're ready. Say, well, you know, how much time do we have? I don't know. Look, you need to be ready anyway because whenever this happens, I don't know. I'll tell you what is going to happen. You're going to die. Right? Nobody gets out of here alive. Well, not this morning. (laughs) It's a cult. They're going to kill us all. No. If you're a visitor, we're not going to kill everybody. All right? You can get out of here alive. I'm talking about 
out of this earth alive. We all die. Everybody's got, and you don't know when. Nobody's guaranteed. You think, well, I'm young. I got forever. You don't know. You have no idea. You could drive home on the way to date and, and just boom, gone. Last time I said that, it actually happened to somebody in our church. And I felt terrible. I thought, wait a minute, I didn't kill him. You know, it just, just happened to be the day I said it. And it's just true. Good news is she was ready to go. They're driving home and just, car drives off, you know, into the ditch and she was gone. Nobody knows. The point of all of this is be ready. Not only do people not live intentionally, they live cluelessly. Don't be this way. We need to live intentionally and be ready. You, we should be ready to check out at any time. Because once you really got this and you know Jesus in your life, it takes the fear away. I'm not afraid of this. I'm not afraid of dying. No. I don't like the idea of dying. <laughs> I don't even like it when my french fries are cold. All right, so... I don't like to be inconvenienced. The suffering part, I'm not excited about that. I will confess. Uh, but being dead does not frighten me because I know where I live. I know uh, where I'm going to go. I know in whom I have believed. That's the joy of being a Christian, having faith of knowing God is in your life. Your eternity is settled. If you don't know where you're headed, that's a bad place for you. You need to get in a place where you know and you settle things right with God now, not later. You know, after you die, you think you're going to straighten this out. No, no, no. You got to do this now while you're breathing. You got to do it now. For as the lightning that comes from the east is visible even to the west, so will be at the coming of the Son of Man. And Jesus said, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory and with the holy angels. You don't want that happening to you. Let's live intentional lives and let's live prepared lives. Uh, at some point, the Bible's very clear, life on this planet is going to get to the point of being intolerable. Uh, I'm just telling you, we're not there yet. Don't walk around all stressed out about some election. Every election, every election is always the end of the world. This is the most important election for every everyone. And the next one will be, this is the most important election. Just, you know, I get it. All of these are important. Sadly, we got some really goofy choices before us, but it is what it is. But don't get all fearful and freaked out. At the end of this, well, what if things get bad? Well, that's why you want to know God. What if the economy tanks? That's why you need to have faith. Easy to have faith when the paychecks are coming in, right? What are you going to do if the paychecks stop? What do you do if the economy crashes? You're going to freak out? You're going to panic? Be filled with fear? Have a heart attack? Drop over dead? No. You need to learn how to live by faith. Because even if the whole system fails, we have a God who doesn't fail. All right? Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your kindness to us, that we can know you, and that you are God who never fails. Help us, Lord, to learn faith now. The key is to walk successfully now so that when hard times come, we can still walk successfully. Help us not to be foolish people. Not taking it seriously now and then think, oh, when things get bad, that's when I'll have faith. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Help us, Lord, to be intentional. Help us to be prepared. And anyone who doesn't truly know you today, listening to my voice, whether on television or online or at our campuses, if they don't know you, I pray that you would speak to their hearts. Open their eyes, God, so they can see the truth. 
and they can give their lives to Jesus and experience this glorious, transformative salvation experience that we celebrate. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you, and may God bless the Green Bay Packers.